All right, again, well, welcome. My name is Rob Dennison. I'm a uh, pastoral resident here at East End. And today's Pentecost Sunday. Yeah. So today's the day that we celebrate God's gift of his presence. We celebrate the birth of the church, and we celebrate the spread of the gospel across the whole known world. And we're going to dive into this story in the book of Acts. But before we do, uh, let's just think about like our posture. How do, we, how do we approach this historical text? Um, there's a famous quote that says, those who don't learn history um, are doomed to repeat it. And I feel like that's kind of like a negative way to, to say that. So I'm going to flip that, kind of say it in a more positive manner. That those who personally apply the lessons of history reap its successes. Those who personally apply the lessons of history repeat its successes. Some things are just better when they're personal, right? So if you get a greeting card and it's like a stock photo of balloons and you open it up and there's like, congratulations written on the inside. Like, Yay. That didn't feel great. But if you, get a, if you get a letter from someone that's like handwritten personally to you, someone that you love, right, that means a lot. It's personal. There's some things that are better when they're personal. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we actually celebrated the wedding for one of my um, sisters. And it was up in Washington, D.C. at this fantastic old church, wood um, ceiling and, and stained glass windows. And then afterwards, we went and we had a great steak dinner reception at a restaurant on Capitol Hill. And as, as awesome as that celebration was, how strange would it have been if after the end of that celebration, Abby and Stephen kind of looked at each other as like, great ceremony, and just walked away. Never saw each other again. That wouldn't have been the point of the marriage ceremony, right? The point wasn't the the dresses and the suits, the pastor and the prayers. The point wasn't the good food or the dancing or the celebration. The point was that they were making a personal commitment, a personal relationship to each other. And so as we approach this scripture... Let's consider what it's saying to us. Let's consider what it's saying to us personally. So let's just pray before we go into the text. Dear Lord, we thank you for what you've been doing in this service today. We thank you for the work and your presence within our community. Lord, we pray that you would speak through your word, make it alive to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's read the scripture. It's Acts 2, and um, as is the tradition, let's all stand for the reading of God's Word. Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all of these who are speaking Galatians? And how is it that we hear each one of us in our own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, 
Cretans and Arabs, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocked, said they are filled with new wine. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So the title of today's message is The Spirit's Movement. It's personal. The Spirit's Movement, It's Personal. We are going to examine the text and focus our time around three points, around three principles. The principles of being gathered, empowered, and sent. Gathered, empowered, and sent. So let's talk about what it means to be gathered together. What does it mean to come together as Christians into one space? So this is the large gathering for Easton Fellowship. This is the once a week time where we all gather together, we sing and we praise, uh, we preach the word and, and, and spend time together. But there's also other ways that we spend time together, right? So we spend together in small groups throughout the week. And Liz and I actually have the privilege of, of leading one of these small groups. We meet every other week and we have a spaghetti dinner and share what's going on in our lives and read the word together. And so just picture yourself uh, at our table and, we're, and, and I come up and I say, hey guys, I, you guys enjoy the spaghetti? Well, you're going to enjoy dessert even more. I have something that's just really going to shock you. And I lay down in front of you like a big glass of milk. Like, great, that's great. I, I love milk, but what's next? And I give you a cup of sugar. And I give you a stick of butter. I give you a tablespoon of baking soda. It would be ludicrous for me to then say, I'm making you a cake. Right? That's not how a cake works. That's not how baking works. You don't bake a cake by taking individual ingredients, putting them on a table and being like, yay, you, we made it. A cake is only a cake until all the ingredients are merged. When each of the cake's individual properties come together to form a whole, when the flour provides structure, when the eggs provide the glue, when the sugar provides sweetness, when all of the different ingredients come together, a cake is made, something new is produced. And so, friends, we are, all of us, as individuals, the body of Christ. Our individual giftings are for the betterment of the whole. Let's read Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. It says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You see, our friends, our gathering together has much more about our posture than it does about our proximity. Like I said again, gathering together is more about our posture towards God and towards one another than it is about just our simple proximity. We all have a part to play. Let's look back into Acts. Uh, before these disciples were there in the upper room, what were they doing? Well, in Acts 1, it says all of them, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer. They were in one accord. That means they were in unity. They were connected to one another. And then they, they were in prayer. They were connected to their Father. So as we consider what it means to be gathered together, let's think about it, what it means to be postured and open to one another. And what it means to be open to the Spirit's work within us. You see, you have a part to play. Each one of you individually. Like the body is not whole without the specific giftings that you have. That you've been given. 
God has equipped each one of you to contribute. And so I'm kind of, I'm kind of wrapping into my empowered um, point. So as we talk about that was gathered, so now what does it look like to be empowered? What does it look like to dig into the signs of the Spirit of God and try to understand their purpose? I myself am, am not very good at, at reading signs or recognizing signs. And I'm particularly bad with traffic signs. And uh, <laughs> that's unfortunate. And I'm actually even worse when there's people in the car because it's very distracting for me to have other people in the car. So you can imagine how distracted I was the first time I was driving my now wife, Liz, in my car. It was like on of our second date. I was driving her from my house in Randolph up Harrison Street to her apartment on Broad Street. Um, and it, I was driving terribly. Um, I, I, don't know, I didn't know what to do with my hands. I didn't know what to do with my eyes. Should I look at her? Should I look at the road? Yeah. Didn't know what to do with my mouth. I think I was yawning the whole time. Um, and in the mix of all that, I just completely missed a red light. Like, I'm not talking about like, oh, I missed it. I'm talking about just <laughs> Harrison and Floyd right through. Didn't even look. And I think Liz was like, ah. <laughs> Liz, I'm so happy you're still with me. I'm so happy I haven't killed you or myself in the car. See, I'm, I'm actually really excited for self-driving cars because they have the ability to not only recognize the signs, but then do the right thing. So they see stop traffic, they're like, stop! And then they'll stop the car for you if you don't stop. See, a, a sign demands an appropriate response. If there's opportunity, we need to live into it. If there's warning, we need to stay away from it. The Spirit alerts us to his movement because he is at work. And he wants us to participate with him. And just because we don't understand it, or because we don't understand it immediately, doesn't mean we shouldn't seek to participate in it. The presence of the Spirit's work demands personal response. So let's revisit the scripture. Let's look back at Acts 2. Well, some of the tangible signs that we saw was fire and wind. We saw fire rest on each one of these disciples. And and if you kind of look at that, it it seems really hard to imagine. At least it's hard to imagine for me. And it's hard for me to understand how, like, well, what's going on? It seems a little abstract. What was the Holy Spirit doing? Well, if I could venture a guess, I would say the Holy Spirit is, one, he's communicating his power. Two, he's communicating his individual presence with us. He said the flames were resting on each one of them. And finally, he was connecting them to their father in worship. Look back again at the verse. It says that they were praising that, yeah, they, we hear them telling in their own tongues the mighty works of God. The Holy Spirit's presence with them encouraged them to worship, connected them with their Father. So let's just take a step back. So that was Acts. That was in Jerusalem. What's happening now? What's happening in our community? What's been happening over the last month? We've received a corporate prophecy. We've seen our elders and our pastors come before us in corporate confession. We've had a time to participate in confession ourselves. We've just ordained new elders, new leaders, people that God is raising up to participate in this community. 
what is the Spirit doing? And we may not know the specifics, but we do know that he is communicating his power and his presence with us. And that he will connect us to God. I'm not sure if you guys were aware, but in in worship this morning, the Holy Spirit was present with us as we worship, connecting us to God. It was evident in worship. This is the Holy Spirit's function with us. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit to us now. And see, the gifts of the Spirit, they are for each one of you. You are designed by God with certain functions, certain skills, certain abilities, and that there is a spiritual aspect to that. This is how God has created you to step into the role that he has for you in your community. We talked about in Ephesians, they talked about pastors and apostles and elders. Like These are the people that God has given us to lead. This is who you are, each one of you. Doug said that each one should aspire to eldership. He said that earlier. And another way that the Spirit empowers us is through the fruit of the Spirit. This is the gift of God in giving us his very character. The fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness. This is the gift of the Spirit to us that we could take on the character and nature of our God, of the one that we worship. This is the Spirit's empowerment of us. And so if we are gathered together, if we are postured towards each other, If we are looking out for the Spirit's signs and activity and desiring to participate in it, what does it lead to? Well, it leads to to being sent. It leads to mission. But that can be or feel abstract. Christian mission can kind of seem hard to grasp, and it's not always well communicated. Sometimes it's something that we get really hyped up for and like super excited for, and we kind of step out of the church building and we're like, I don't, like, what do I do? Uh, there's, there's a hymn that says, Onward Christian soldiers marching as to war with the cross of Jesus moving on before. It's a great hymn, but it's not very specific about where we're going or what we'll be doing there. Uh, and, and actually, wartime propaganda is actually really interesting. I think I have a couple, a couple of visuals. Um, like the call to enlistment is, is often very vague. So if you look through it, these are things uh, from World War I. These are British propaganda, uh, British enlistment uh, pieces. The, the one on the left says, forward. <laughs> the one in the middle says, fall in. And the, the one on the third, I think you basically just need to be Irish and have ears to respond to that one. Um, so what they're actually heading into was the horrors of trench warfare. I mean, they were so out of touch with what they were heading into. You see the one on the left? He's riding a horse. Do you know in World War I, they rode horses at the beginning of that? They were so out of touch. The generals did not know what they were going into. They rode, and there was a charge in World War I in one of the early spring battles, where they rode 250 horses, people on cavalry, into a battle. Four came out. They were decimated by their enemy because they did not know where they were going. So we have to be prepared for the specifics of our mission, not just the concept. And the mission of God is not abstract. Spoiler alert, the mission of God is to people. 
The Spirit sends us to other people. The Spirit sends us to each other. Mission is immediately concrete the moment you step out of these doors, the moment you begin to interact with another person. In the scripture, in Acts 2, it mentions about 18 different countries and ethnicities in that long list. And I think I correctly said maybe four. (laughs) I was happy. I wanted at least three. Um, (laughs) So... What, what, what is God doing in that mention? Like, why, does they, why do they take such care to mention those 18 different countries? Well, first of all, I mean, I think it goes without saying that the gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for me. The gospel is for you. The, people who, there's, the gospel is for someone who doesn't look like me and who doesn't look like you, who doesn't speak our language, who doesn't live in our neighborhood. The gospel is for everybody. That should go without saying. But I think what it's also communicating is that this is a gospel not just for all people, but for us as individuals. And for us, who we are as God created us to be. So the people that were responding to this call, the the people on this list, they were people who were Jewish converts. They had given up their own culture. They had given up their own language because they wanted to worship Yahweh, the God of the Jews. And so imagine hearing in your own language for the first time the mighty works of God. The effect, that personal call of the gospel in their lives, that effect was so strong that thousands were saved that day. And then not only were thousands saved, but of those countries that were represented in that list, the gospel spread across the whole known world in less than 600 years. This is the personal call of the gospel in our lives. So if the mission of God is not abstract... If it's to actual people, your roommate, your spouse, your kids, your neighbor, your coworkers, if it's to actual people, how do we prepare for it? Well, if we're going to be dealing with people, we have to be ready for conflict. It's just life. As a father of a three-year-old and a two-year-old, conflict is an everyday, every hour, every minute part of my Life, whether they're fighting over what they want to watch, if they're fighting about... So this is a new one. They fight over who they want to be in a movie. I don't even know what that is. Like, I don't know, how do you be someone like, I'm... Or they fight over movie songs. They'll say, that's my song in the movie. No, that's my song in the movie. Your song... I, such, I just don't even understand it. That's conflict, though. Conflict is when our desires, the things that we want, they clash with another person. And that could be a song in Moana, or it could be a house, or it could be a promotion, or it could be about who picks up socks that day. Conflict is bound to occur. And when it does occur, conflict has a very personal toll. Conflict leaves us scarred. It leaves us hurting. And so here's the good news of the gospel, is that Jesus came to mediate our conflict, even with one another. So not only did Jesus die for the legal penalty of our sin, but he heals the relational breach, the relational gap of our sin. He died to bring us into right relationship with God and to bring us into right relationship with each other. The Spirit mediates our mission when we are given grace to forgive others and when we are given the humility to ask for forgiveness. 
We just talked about this when we were initiating the elders, what it means to live into Jesus' sacrifice for us, to accept the grace, to go low, and to stay in relationship. That's the good news of Christian mission, that God is with you. That God has created you and designed you to go into certain places in your community that he will give you the grace to stay in those places as well. Bearing in them for the long run. So I know we've been here a while and I am closing. Early on in my message I said, those who personally apply the lessons of history repeat as successes. So what happened in Acts? We saw an explosion of the church. We saw many come to Christ. So if we want that, if that's at all exciting for us, then we want to emulate it. We want to press into what does it mean to be gathered and empowered and sent. So this is a powerful principle. Did you know that this is how nuclear fission works like this is how a nuclear reactor or, or, or an atom bomb works automatic particles are gathered together they are empowered and they are sent that's all that happens and it's a chain reaction gathered empowered sent gathered empowered sent that principle is the power behind one of the most explosive forces in our world and it is also the power behind the church it's the power behind the christian mission that we are on it's the power behind the spirit's movement so let's just close now. And Orlando, if you can play. <laughs> Usually he's on my right. He's on my left today. So let's just spend some time responding. You know, we were, we were praying across the street. And, and a word that, that came to us as we, were, as we were praying was alignment. What does it look like to be aligned to God? And, and we, we had this, this picture of, of a hose. And when you take a hose and there's water flowing through it and you crimp it, it stops the flow. But when you uncrimp the hose, when you align the hose back, water can flow back through it. And so if we want the Holy Spirit's presence, if we want the Holy Spirit's work, we need to be aligned to him, aligned to God. So let's just pray now. Let's posture our hearts before God. Spirit, we thank you for your presence. As we consider what it means to be gathered, what it means to be in community with each other, if there is... If there is a way that you need to be open with God and postured before God, take that to him now. Align yourself personally in your posture, remembering that it's not just about proximity. It's not just about being in the room. It's about our hearts, about where our hearts are before God. So posture your hearts before God now. Open up those things that have been preventing the flow of the Spirit. And as we consider being empowered, where do you see the Spirit working now? 
Where do you see the Spirit working in our community? Where do you see the Spirit working in your family? What signs have you been seeing and maybe ignoring that God is inviting you to participate in His work? We're going to have people ready to pray for you if you want a fresh empowerment of the Spirit. If you want to participate, if you're saying yes to what He's doing in your life right now. And as we're considering being sent, maybe God has on your heart a person. Maybe it's in your household, maybe it's at your job, maybe it's on your street. Pray into that encounter with that person, into the next interaction that you have, knowing that that is your mission. Knowing that that is who God is sending you to tomorrow. Go ahead and just start praying into that. Pray into what he's doing. And so, Lord, we thank you so much for what you've been doing today. Thank you for connecting us to you in worship. Thank you for the elders who have joined the leadership here at our church. Lord, we thank you for them and we submit to them. And Lord, we thank you that this is your spirit and your plan, your principles, and that all we have to do is to say yes in obedience and humility. And so, Lord, I say yes. I say yes to your work. Thank you, God.